Happy Thanksgiving weekend to all of you. I hope you had enough food and maybe you had enough family too, I don't know, and some football. I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday, I think, because of those three things. But I also think it's a, it's a good thing to be thankful. It's a good thing to be thinking about that during the month of November. I don't know, maybe you're one of the ones who post on Facebook kind of every day something that you're thankful for. Maybe you go around the table, hey Adam, what are you thankful for? I'm thankful for turkey, I'm thankful for football, and I am thankful that Aunt Agnes did not bring that nasty tuna casserole this year. And mom would just like wail on you. That happened Thursday to me, I mean. I really do. I love saying thank you. I like writing thank you notes. I like receiving thank you notes. I'm a little behind, I think, this, this holiday just saying thank you. So if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of channel my inner Jimmy Fallon. I'm going to write a few thank you notes. I appreciate that. I'm not really giving you the option, am I? But so here we go. I, but we need, I mean, we need thank you note writing music. Is Shelby back? Shelby's back there. All right, so here we go. Here's the first one, okay. Thank you, plumbers, for having your biggest day of the year on the day after Thanksgiving. It's actually kind of gross. It's like the Super Bowl for plumbers, right? No, it's like the toilet bowl for plumbers. I'm pretty proud of that one, actually. Okay, here we go. Thank you, Rocky Ford Road, between Taylor and Tally, for opening after being closed. After being closed for two years. I'm pretty sure they opened because they heard I was going to do a joke about it this morning. I'm pretty sure. Thank you, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, for reminding me that it's okay to be filled with hot air every once in a while. Because they're balloons, get it? Because they're balloons. You'll get it on the way home, it's fine. Okay. Thank you, dumplings, for being much more delicious than you sound. They look disgusting too. But boy, are they good. They are. This last one, here we go. Thank you, Jerry Day and Josh Crum for somehow always scheduling me to speak on a holiday weekend. (laughs) That might not be entirely true, but it's how I see it. (laughs) Although to be fair, I think Josh has a pretty good reason to not speak this Sunday, right? Did you hear that Bethany had their baby? I think we have a picture of Mathis up here. I got to hold Mathis. He is a delight. Everyone is healthy and doing great. So he has a great excuse. Jerry's in here. Jerry's back there. What's your excuse, Jerry? Senior wedding. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I think we know that saying thank you is a good thing to do. We teach it to our kids, right? I have a four-year-old and a 20-month-old, and we, we teach please and thank you. We even expect it from coworkers or, or other people in our life. Hey, say please, say, say thank you. We know it's a good thing to do, but how often, how often do we think about deep and lasting gratitude? I mean, getting past just a, a head nod or a thumbs up. How often do we think about Gratitude, even outside of maybe November. 
I think during Thanksgiving, it's easy to think of a few things, right? Thankful for my job. I'm thankful for my family. And those are great things to be thankful for. Maybe you're thankful for financial stability that you haven't had before. We're in the final Sunday of our series called More. It's a financial series, and we've been talking about what does it mean for a person following Jesus to interact with their money? What does that mean for us to do that? And we're, today we're talking about this myth that we have, that we believe even though we don't always know we believe it. Here's the myth. I would be thankful if I had more. If I had more, just a little itty bitty bit more, then I'd be thankful. So here's my confession. Living, living a life of gratitude, at least, at least for me, is really hard. And here's what I mean by it. I'm going to define a few things. Thankfulness, here's my definition of thankfulness. Showing appreciation is the act of showing appreciation. I think that's a good thing to do. And sometimes I'm thankful. I bet you are too. But gratitude, gratitude is the lifestyle of thankfulness. It's a skill that I don't, I don't know if I have I'm not that good at it because sometimes I'm so self-involved that I don't notice that there's something that I could be thankful for. Or I'm going so fast that I don't stop. Even though I see it, I don't, I don't show that I'm thankful. Or maybe, just maybe, I want to take credit for my successes and blame other people and God for my failures. So I don't really take the time to be grateful, to live this out as a lifestyle. I need help at being grateful. Now there's a story in the Bible about Jesus and gratitude. It's Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. And at the beginning of the book, the author, Luke, says, hey, I'm going to write this story about Jesus. It's going to be true because I'm going to talk to eyewitnesses about it. And so he writes in Luke 17, as Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria, just two regions. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance. So he's on his way to Jerusalem. He encounters these 10 guys with leprosy. Think about leprosy often? Me either. I think it's because it's been cured. There's 16 million people that have been cured of leprosy. But leprosy is this nasty skin disease. It smells. It's highly contagious. People lost fingers, toes. You'd have sores all over your body. You'd become kind of disfigured and deformed. It's just not a pleasant thing. You couldn't hide it at all. And you wouldn't want to because it was Jewish law to separate people who had leprosy from everybody else because that would keep them safe because the disease was transmitted through touch. So they'd just kick them all out. So if you went to the doctor or the priest and you said, hey, I think I have leprosy, this is what would happen. You'd immediately lose your job. You'd lose a lot of your stuff because they'd burn it because they wanted to be careful you wouldn't be able to say goodbye to your family. You couldn't hug your kids. You couldn't kiss your spouse goodbye. You would just be kicked out 
immediately to this leper colony. You'd be removed from your entire community, couldn't do anything. And you'd go there and you'd wait in despair. You'd wait to lose fingers. You'd wait for someone to come and help you. You'd have to yell when someone was coming close. Hey, I'm unclean. Don't come and, don't come and touch me. Don't, don't get near me. You'd wait to die. And that's what these 10 lepers are doing. They're begging. They're hoping that someone will help them. And they see Jesus coming, and they're crying out to him. Hey, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so Jesus sees him, and he yells back, go show yourselves to the priests. Why would he do that? Well, at the time, the law stated if you were healed from a skin disease like leprosy, you had to go show yourself to the priest. The priest, when he wasn't doing like the priestly duties, right, he would also be a doctor. And he would look, he would check you over and make sure, just abundantly sure, triple, quadruple check. I mean, days, maybe even weeks would go by and make sure that you were healed. The reason why is because this was not something to mess around with. So he would make sure, the priest would make sure that you were healed. So Jesus is saying, hey, go show yourself to the priest. And that could have been a long journey. There probably wasn't a priest shop around the corner, right? It was a long journey. It could have even been to Jerusalem. We don't know. But he says, hey, this is a big ask, but go show yourself to the priest. And they turned on the spot and they went. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy, which would have been life-changing, right? They would have gotten their life back. They could go home. They could have a job. They could be a part of their community again. This was a huge deal. And we could stop right there, right? I mean, they saw Jesus. They said, hey, Jesus. He said, go show yourself to the priest. And they said, okay. And then they were healed. The end. But it's not the end. But before we continue with the story, here's what I want to point out. They obeyed before Jesus healed them. Before he did anything, they obeyed. These lepers had faith that Jesus would do something. They were clinging to this hope in spite of their really desperate circumstances that Jesus would do something. So what does this have to do with gratitude? Well, gratitude requires a few things from us. Gratitude requires us to have faith. Practicing gratitude has to start before you've received anything. Gratitude is the skill of being thankful, right? And we have to practice that in all circumstances. And that means it has to be rooted in something other than me, other than what I want, other than more. So, does this sound familiar? Lord, as soon as you give me that promotion at work, then, then I'll give you that area of my life. Lord, as soon as you help me and help our marriage, then, then I'll, I'll go to church. Lord, as soon as you give me this, 
I'll give you that. As soon as you give me more, whatever that is, then I'll be thankful. Then I'll be generous. Then I'll give. When my wife, Abby, and I moved to Columbus, I had this nasty, rusty old mower. I hate that thing. It's the worst. Here's why, because it was atom-propelled, not self-propelled, right? And it, I, I mean, it was like this big. That's what it felt like. It took forever to mow, and I did not like mowing. It makes me mad. And the grass would grow, I mean, like to my eyes or whatever, because I just didn't like it, and that makes it harder. And so I complained a lot, and we eventually wore Abby down, and I got a riding lawnmower. And so I bought a, like a used riding lawnmower from a couple here in church, actually. And it was, it was old, but it worked great. And I would sit there, and the first time I rode it, I, you would have thought I was a king, right? I'm like, yes, I'm riding I'm sitting down while I'm mowing the lawn. I'm so thankful. This is awesome. I don't, I want to say it was like months later, but it was probably like a week later. There are three doors down. There's a guy who has a 60 inch zero turn mower. I mean, revved it up and like shook my house, you know. It has a cup holder. It has two cup holders. Are you kidding me? If I, if I just had, now, bear with me, if I just had a little bit better of a mower, I mean a little bit bigger of a mower, a little bit more, then I'd be happy. Then, then it would be good. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Adam, hey, you need to be thankful. You need to be thankful for that riding lawnmower. And I think you're, you're right. But here's the thing. I should have been thankful to have a lawn to mow at all. I should have been thankful for having legs and arms to push that stupid, sorry. Right, but, but here's the thing. My thankfulness didn't start until I received something. It really didn't. Which makes thankfulness all about me. And when that thing wears off, and those things always wear off, then I have to have something else for me to be thankful. I have to get something else. I have to get a little bit more. I'll be thankful when I have more. But here's the thing, here's the myth. More is a moving target. Can never have more. But these lepers, they responded before Jesus gave them anything. And they immediately went. In order for the miracle to happen, these men had to start walking in faith before anything was given to them. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, can you imagine that? Came back to Jesus and he was shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan. This seems like a natural response, right? I don't know what it means to be, be healed from leprosy, but I imagine that it's kind of like, I'm healed, right? I hope it's like that. that. Like, 
hands and feet grew back or something. This is a huge deal. And he immediately sees that it's happening. He spins on his heel and he runs back to Jesus and he says, thank you, praise God, thank you. And he's making a ruckus. Did you notice that, that Luke, the author, kind of points out, and this guy was a Samaritan. Why do you think he mentions that? Well, because gratitude requires something from us. It requires faith, but it also requires perspective. And the Samaritan had a different perspective than the other nine lepers. The Samaritan would have been an outsider among outsiders. I mean, a half-breed, the worst possible kind of derogatory term that you can think of. You, you wouldn't, like a Patriots fan, right? Yeah, I had to. But he, he would have been just completely set apart, even from the lepers. The reason why is they viewed people from Samaria, a Samaritan, as people who couldn't even understand what's going on. They wouldn't even hang out with them. There's no way he can understand enough to show gratitude like this, but that's what he does. And because it wasn't expected for him to understand, and because there's no way they would have expected a Jew like Jesus to heal a Samaritan like this leper, he was even more grateful than anybody else. And so he immediately comes back because he has the right perspective. He sees how big of a deal this is. But I often don't have the right perspective. I get absorbed in this effort. I don't know what you call it. Maybe, maybe you call it the rat race. I don't know. But I, I'm absorbed in this effort of more, of getting rich. We don't like that word, do we? We no longer recognize what rich really is. I've lost that perspective. I don't think I'm rich. I just think that I'm not poor, if that. And we have this myth that we'll be grateful when, we'll be grateful when we have more, we'll be grateful when we're rich, but rich, more, hard to pin down. Andy Stanley says it this way in his book, Be Rich. No matter how much money we have, or make, we will probably never consider ourselves rich. Makes me uncomfortable. We need perspective. Don't believe me? Let's, let's kind of play a little game. It's like a game show. Let's find some perspective. Do, 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 You have to have a theme song. You didn't know that? You have to have a theme song for a game show. I'm gonna ask you two questions, two questions. Just think about it. What's the last thing that you complained about? Now share it with the person next to you. No, don't do that. What's the last thing you complained about? For me, last thing like I really deeply complained about was Rocky Ford Road being closed. And then I got mad that they opened it when I was gonna talk about it in my message. <laughs> Honest truth. That's the last thing I complained about. That's like the definition of first world problem, right? Because perspective is I have a car and there are paved roads and it only adds 60 seconds to my commute anyway. And oftentimes my commute takes me miraculously through Starbucks. <laughs> but the reality is, the reality is 
We all have things like this in our life and we complain about them. I do. You probably do too. We complain about them. We spend our time thinking about them. And maybe it's deeper things than that. Maybe it's harder things than that. But we just don't want to have perspective. We don't want to take a couple of steps back and say, hey, what is God actually doing here? What's actually going on? Especially, especially when it comes to our finances. Here, here's another question. Question number two. Let's find some perspective. Do, 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 do. Oh, I thought you'd sing along that time. No? Yeah. Question number two. How do you define being rich? I'll tell you how I define it. More than what I have now. That's my, that's my honest answer. Gallup recently did a poll. How do you define being rich? So people who made $30,000 a year, they defined it as $60,000 a year. People who made $50,000 a year defined it as $100,000 a year. Here's the one that really got me. People who made $2.5 million a year defined it as $5 million a year. It's about perspective. We lose it somewhere in there. Now, I was researching being rich and being poor. That's an interesting Google search. And I came across this statistic. And I kind of double and triple checked it because it just blew me away. And I wanted to make sure it was accurate. And this is a recent estimate presented by the World Bank. 10.7%, that's 767 million people, a lot of people. 767 million people live their lives on less than $1.90 a day. A day. That's perspective for me. Let me kind of camp there for a second. A dollar and 90 cents times 365 days a year. That's $693.50 for you math folks out there. $693.50. I don't know what your situation is. Maybe you do live on a dollar and 90 cents a day. And so I wanna, I wanna be mindful of this. If you do, or you feel like you do, there are resources here at the Ridge, there are resources in Bartholomew County that can help you, and we want to help you. But the vast majority of us probably live on more than that. Want just a little bit more perspective? If you make around $36,000 a year, you make around $693.50 a week. Let's find some perspective. But we talk about not being rich. We lose that perspective. But having this perspective of what God has given us allows us to view our circumstances completely differently. It allows us to practice gratitude in new ways. It provides things for us. It provides contentment. It provides peace. It allows us to get out of this comparison trap of saying, well, I need more just like they do. And we begin to see that God has already given us more. I do have more. But to do that, we have to change our perspective. 
And I want, I want to note that God doesn't always provide in the way that we think. It's not always financially. It's not always in the way that we're asking for or in the way that we want. But God does provide for us. And when we have perspective, our expectations are changed. We no longer feel entitled. Maybe we start to understand what we really have in the first place. And it answers a question that I've had most of my life, which is how can I be thankful in all circumstances? Paul writes it in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. He tells us right there, we have the perspective of Christ Jesus. So this Samaritan leper comes back and he's so thankful. How do you think Jesus responded? Jesus asks, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? There's something wrong with this picture, he's saying. Because gratitude requires some things from us, right? It requires faith, it requires perspective, but it also requires expression. It requires us to do something. So Jesus asked, where's everybody else? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, this guy who you don't even think can understand it in the first place? Because a lack of gratitude is significant. 10 guys are healed, one guy says thanks. And when I read this the first time, here's, here was my thought. Those other nine guys are the worst. Well, let's talk about them for a second. Here's some facts about those nine. They acted on faith. They took a step without knowing what was gonna happen. They're trying to uphold the law. They have an understanding of who Jesus is. They called him master. They're physically healed. It's likely that they're reunited and restored to their family and community. That doesn't sound so bad. Wouldn't you be grateful? I think they were too. The difference between the one and the nine aren't necessarily that he's a Samaritan and they're not, it's that he expressed the gratitude. And the reason he did is he couldn't help but not express the gratitude. And if I don't, it becomes too easy to be selfish. It becomes too easy to have a hard heart. It becomes too easy to think that you've earned everything you have. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt un underappreciated, unappreciated? You know, like when you're at a four-way stop and the person on your right wasn't there first, but you let them go anyway and they don't even wave? You know, like that? That didn't happen this morning or anything. <laughs> but when we don't express our gratitude in relationships, we begin to drive this wedge in between us. And when we feel unappreciated, we, we feel rejected. And then all of a sudden... We just ingratitude somebody right out the door. And I, I have to confess to you, I'm much more like the nine than I am the one. I have some thankfulness in my heart, but I do not do a good job expressing it because I ask these questions. I ask questions like, should I really express gratitude if maybe it was what I expected them to do in the first place? Should I really express gratitude if Maybe I do more for them than they do for me. Should I really express real deep gratitude even if I've got a lot going on in my life? And the answer is yes. Gratitude is important. Don't believe me? Check this out. Dear Lindsay, 
thank you doesn't even begin to cover how much you mean to me, but I guess it's a start. Dear Elaine, today I would like to take the time to tell you how grateful I am for you. Bill and Jackie, I want to thank you for being the best father-in-law and mother-in-law I could have. Dear Mom, growing up in a single-parent home, I watched you struggle to pay bills, take care of three kids, three teenagers, our home, and two and three jobs at the same time. Dear Aubrey, I would like to take some time to tell you how incredibly thankful I am for you. I've sat in Bible study with you where you are a woman of very few words, but when you do speak, it's full of wisdom. I am thankful for your patience, your perseverance, and I am so very thankful for your unconditional love and support. You're an inspiration to me with your work ethic and your determination. Your example pushes me toward excellence and to be a better man. I never imagined that I could have someone in my life with so much godly wisdom, strength, and experience to push me through every mountain and valley. These last three and a half years have been really difficult on our entire family. And throughout the process, you've been there for us each day. Thank you for showing me what caring for family is like. Thank you, my friend, for showing me the power of quiet strength. Thank you for making me laugh every time we're together, for taking time out of your busy life to be a huge part of mine. You've cared for Katie and encouraged her through her health issues. You've helped take care of Will and Ryan and created a special bond with them that they'll always have. And you've supported me as your son-in-law. You and Bert have raised more quote-unquote kids than you've ever gotten tax credit for. One of them said, and I quote, Bert and Elaine are the unexpected blessing I never knew I needed. If I can be half the woman that you are, I'll be doing great. Love, Jenny. I'm so lucky to be one of the lives you've touched. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Love, Delaney. You believed in me and treated me like your son. I love you guys. Josh. And thank you for being my wife. I'm incredibly grateful that you decided to say yes when I asked you to marry me and that God has blessed me with such a beautiful, caring wife. Love, Ben. Gratitude is really important. Expressing gratitude is more important. It helps us build strong relationships. It helps us to find contentment. It helps us to find peace. If I'm able to be thankful, if I'm able to have this perspective, this natural response in me should be to express my gratitude. The one came back shouting. So Jesus, he addresses the Samaritan. He asks about the other nine, but then he says, Jesus says to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. And the first time I read it, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Didn't he already heal the guy? Is he like double healed? No. Jesus is saying your faith has healed you, not just physically, but completely, spiritually. The word Jesus uses for healed could be translated restored or made whole. And it wouldn't have happened without that outward expression. What are we missing out on? Because we don't express our gratitude. It often comes down to like a simple question, right? How can you express your gratitude today? How can you express your gratitude to someone in your life like my friends did in this video? That has significant impact. 
It had impact on all of you, let alone on the people who actually got to experience it. You remember the thank you notes? Write a note today. Be personal, be specific, be authentic, be vulnerable, and say thank you so much for who you are and the way that you impacted my life. And do it today. He immediately responded and went and expressed his gratitude. Do it today. And maybe God is asking, how can you express gratitude to God? Now, we haven't talked about finances really a lot. But maybe, this is going to make you uncomfortable, makes me uncomfortable. Maybe God is asking you to express your gratitude to him financially. And I don't mean that just from the ridges point of view. It's not really about giving to the ridge, it's about giving back to him. It's about being so thankful you can't help but express it with everything you've got, especially money, and money is important to us. That's why Jesus talks about it so much. How is he asking you to express your gratitude, no matter where you're at, no matter what you've got? Maybe he's saying, hey, you need to take care of your financial world Maybe he's saying, express your gratitude for what I've given you by going to Financial Peace University. We're having one in January, sign up. Connections desk today and say, hey, I'm gonna dig in, I'm gonna do this. Now, why would we do this? Why would we express our gratitude to him? Remember at the beginning of the story, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. You know what happens there? He dies on the cross. That's where he's going. He's on his way to do that. We express gratitude because God provides for us. We express gratitude because we have life, because we are rich, and not just financially, by the way. We're grateful for talents and giftedness, but we express gratitude because Jesus gave his life for us on the cross and rose again on the third day so that we, you and me, might be made whole, not because of anything we've done, but because of everything he's done. So it's with that perspective, placing our faith squarely on him, that we've been called to express our gratitude. Because if I really understand this, I can't help but express it. I am not thankful for anything. I'm not thankful for anything more than I am thankful for the cross. And he asks me, Express your gratitude with everything I've got. Heart, money, soul, mind, strength, relationships, everything. Because I can't help but express it. I can't help but say thank you. I can't help submit everything. I have every diamond sent to him. Not because of what it means to him, but because of what it means to each of us. So today, this year, this month, this week, before you go home, how is God asking you to express your gratitude to him?